Man, you remember when we were young and Super Bowl used to be at like the end of January? Now it's like halfway through February nowadays. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Those were the greatest parties growing up. Yeah. 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 I can't believe it's in Vegas. That's gonna be a party on a party. It's in Vegas. Yeah. No Super way. Bowl, yeah, Super Bowl's actually in Vegas, and like people already said, Vegas is already crazy enough during the Super Bowl, um, but now it's just gonna be. Like 10x. That, I mean, apparently all the rooms sell out every year already for in Vegas, but now you have the stadium plus you have the oh whole man. casino, so it's going to be over the top. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see. Yeah, that. yeah, I didn't, I didn't know it was in Vegas. That definitely yeah, adds a totally another. Stadium. Yeah, do you know? Uh, and a little off topic here, probably a little bit, you know, risque for a commercial real estate podcast, but uh, apparently there's a huge uptick in human trafficking. Whenever there's a Super Bowl, is it really huge uptick? And now it's legal in Vegas, that type of stuff. So it'd be interesting to see those numbers post Super yeah. Bowl how that goes. Yeah, I, I like how like every bathroom stall you have a little sign that says, "Hey, look, if you're being human trafficked, call this number or copy down this number." You know, we're, we got you and all this. I mean, and then also even on the Delta flights, there's like a little like. 19 second clip i mean so i'm glad i mean that people are bringing awareness to it otherwise it wouldn't be you know getting resolved right but yeah i didn't know vegas was a big hotspot for that oh, yeah, well, well that. so yeah. it's legal in nevada yeah but um but typically the city where uh the super bowls hold uh, held there's like this huge uptick in human trafficking it's weird like, interesting to see the data. I'll, I'll get some. I'll get some like real hard numbers for you on that one, though. But well, don't take your daughter there. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> let's get into the show yeah, here. It's, it's, uh, welcome to another edition, chatting on Bell Street, your window into the world of commercial real estate. I'm Tony Miranda here with Brian Bell, CEO of Bell Street. Let's dive right in. And Brian, before I get into the story, I have to get this off my chest. It seems like every time you turn around, there's another headline spelling doom and gloom for commercial real estate. Yeah. And more often than not, it's it's crying wolf about the office sector. And before we get into the weeds of this story, have you noticed that? It's like typically it's always the office sector and like they act like it's the whole of commercial real estate. Yeah. You know, and the thing is like I can I can definitely see what's going on with the it's really and it has a, a ties to the banking relationship so like the banking so whenever you deposit monies into your savings account you know the then the bank says all right with the federal reserve say we want to lend out x number of dollars mm-hmm. and so there's like a ratio of what they can lend out based on their savings reserves that they have and those numbers and those ratios have been depleted over time so there's a lot of banks throughout the U.S. that are in this weird period where they over leverage themselves, but mm-hmm. they have not enough cash reserves to support the loans that they have out. Right. And then, then on, and on top of that, a lot of the, the loans that they have out, you know, they're only getting 3% interest on those. But the market is paying, is that guy like seven? So like they're actually taking a loss on some of this this money that they have out that's, that's lent out. Okay. And so like a lot of people don't want to buy those, like they don't want to, in a current market situation. If, if you know if you're going to buy a portfolio of debt, you know, but you're going to want something at market or par of what the the rates should be. You're not going to want something at two or three percent. Mm-hmm. And so like some of the stuff that was held by banks and it's just that's at lower interest rates is really not profitable for the banking system right now. So 
<clears throat> I mean, I think I could kind of see where she's going with this. I right. mean, but I think we're in this weird, you know, I, I think even like, um, what's the guy's name at the Federal Reserve? Like Paulin? Paul? Uh, Paulson? No, it's not Paulson. Paulson. Uh, that don't, I don't know right off the top of my head. Yeah, so the the guy that's um, in charge of the, um, you know, the in increases and decreases in the rates. Right. You know, on the website, the USA. Powell. Yeah, Colin Powell. Jerome. No. What? Jerome Powell. Yeah, Jerome Powell. So, like, even on the website, it's like, oh, the banking system's in great and working condition. They actually removed that sentence. I read an article. They removed that sentence from the website. So, like, I mean, they, they just removed it. They didn't say the banking system's in worse situation. But, you know, the fact that they removed that as in great and functional and satisfactory right, condition, kind of worrisome. Right. They didn't replace anything with it. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the other shoe could drop, and maybe there's something that we don't know. Mm -hmm. But revolving, pretty much involving commercial real estate, we're still seeing good fundamentals on a smaller office level, but not really on the larger product. Right. And that's kind of like been the story. Now, on CoStar News... I was looking just this morning and they were like, and these other brokers was like, yeah, we're going to have a great, uh, you know, revenue, um, comeback with a 10% increase from last year, just because like in the, in the third and fourth quarter of this year, due to the decrease in interest. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Colliers was saying that I believe, right? Yeah. So, yeah. The, so there is going to be a increase in transactional volume this year. Maybe those are people that were, on the cusp of um, having their debt called or mm -hmm. or maybe those are transactions that, you know, maybe there's just more momentum in the market. So I think, you know, from a transactional state, from a brokerage perspective, it's going to be great. Um, from For people that are holding those larger office assets, you know, in some of these primary markets where office is getting hit, and yeah, we're probably going to still see that that struggle. Well, let's dive right into this news story that yeah, uh, we're, we're focusing on here. And uh, this uh, this week's news story uh, comes from recent remarks from the uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary, uh, Janet Yellen, in a spark controversy across the commercial real estate sector, again, particularly again with the office sector. Uh, addressing the Senate Banking Committee, Secretary Yellen acknowledged, Yellen acknowledged the potential for increased stress and financial losses within the commercial real estate market attributing to the higher post-pandemic vacancy rates and the challenges of refinancing loans at higher interest rates. Despite these concerns, Yellen believes these issues won't pose a systemic risk to the banking system, highlighting that while larger banks have minimal exposure, smaller banks could face stress. Brian, with Secretary Yellen's comments shining yet another spotlight on the office sector, uh, what's your perspective on the impact over the broader market? You know, I think going back to the smaller banks and the potential stress due to these developments, I think that could be an issue because uh, there's some banks that, you know, their primary revenue source was commercial lending. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that is your primary focus and you're being really aggressive over the past 10 years, seven years, and then, you know, you're actually holding these notes and you're not, um, you know, selling them off, you know, then, then yeah, then you, then you have some... <laughs> Some, you know, they're not bad loans. They're really competitive rated loans mm -hmm. that, you know, they're trying to get rid of, but no one wants to buy them at a discounted price. Um, and so, like, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, we could see some some issues with some smaller banks. But really, as long as the fundamentals in the real estate market and the tenants are paying their rent and the people are paying their mortgages, I think we'll be fine. 
I, I, don't, I think as long as, like, we're seeing that. But, like, you know, there's a lot of layoffs right now. I mean, we're seeing that across the board with most companies, you know, some of my neighbors, um, you know, you know, even people around me in the community, I see them like, oh, yeah, our company laid off 25% or, you know, you know, or their company got acquired and then they laid off 15% of their staff. So, I mean, we're seeing a lot of these companies resizing even this first quarter of this year. And, you know, so I don't know where that's going to, you know, take us, you know, going into 2024. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, I don't have the crystal ball. We'll, we'll have to see. But, I mean, I, I think it's going back. I mean, I went to a meeting yesterday, and he was watching a lot of news articles about commercial real estate. He's like, well, is my commercial real estate building going to be less more? I mean, it's not going to be as desirable because of everything going on in the news. I was like, ah, no, the market you're in in Golden, I think you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I think your property is going to be fine based on the condition and based on what the comps are going through. We're really talking about larger MSA product. Right. That's really getting hit here. Um, you know, so let's jump into negotiations. Uh, yeah, we got, uh, we can go right into that right now. Uh, but uh, shifting gears, uh, as Brian said, we're going to talk about a skill that's very vital to commercial real estate professionals out there, the art of negotiation. Um, it's what turns a good deal into a great one and uh, sets the top brokers apart from the crowd. Uh, negotiation in commercial real estate is much more than just striking a deal. It's about understanding the market, the players involved, and what drives them. Brian, in your experience, how important, how important is preparation in negotiation? <laughs> You know, preparation and negotiation is, I think, is it goes to understanding what your buyer or your seller wants. Mm -hmm. And then you back into that. And the first thing you have to ask yourself is like, all right, is my client, you know, if we're thinking about from a client perspective, are they being realistic? If not, you got to also make sure that the realistic expectations are in place. Right. Um, you know, because I've seen it sometimes where, like, you might have a client and they want to come in at 50% of the ask every time. <laughs> and then you're just pissing off the other broker, right. pissing off the sellers. And then you try to come back at 75% of ask, and then they don't even want to talk to you because you already pissed them off from the get. Oh, know? man. So, you know, there's a lot of different variations that you can kind of kind of go into, but you have to set the expectations with your seller. If we're talking about commercial real estate, but there's negotiations in everything. Mm -hmm. Negotiations with your wife, your girlfriend, your kids. You know, like, all right, if you're good at school today, we'll get pizza tonight. <laughs> you know, so, like, it's just, like, how do you, you know, how do you, like, because they always, you know, it's always a want. It's always a want or a need. Right. And everyone always has a want or a need. And so, you know, in, in real estate sales, you know, people that are transacting, people, people that typically want to buy or sell real estate, they have an exit price they want or they need to make the exit, or maybe they need it to cover their debt services. And, and on the buy side, you know, maybe they have some cash, but they, they're only gonna buy if they get this return. Mm -hmm. or, or maybe they're buying it for themselves and they need to occupy it in 30 days. So really, I think understanding the buyer seller, where you're coming from, and how you're gonna be able to make, you know, make them happy is important, but also making sure you're setting expectations with them. I, I can't, I see it so many times. Someone's like, all right, I'm going to go to bat and negotiate for you. And, but they, they didn't set the expectations with their buyer, right? But they think they're going to get a 10 cap in a seven cap market, or they're going to think they're going to be able to get 50% of the fair market value of this property. When realistically, this is a very hot market. 
And so it's about setting expectations up front with your buyer or seller or with your kids or with your girlfriend, your spouse or lover, whatever, you know? So, um, and then you can kind of back into the, the play from there. Now, let's discuss uh, the building long-term relationship aspect of these negotiation. And of course, building relationship is very critical in our industry. How do you approach negotiations to ensure long-term success just beyond that immediate deal? Yeah. So my, my father-in-law has a, he's a, he was a lawyer for 20 plus years. And then he also got a master's degree in conflict management. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he was a lawyer at a hospital and his job was to negotiate, um, the, you know, if, if the hospital malpracticed, like what that person would get and half the time they just wanted to be heard. Yeah. You know, the person that was felt victim and they were suing the hospital. So he would bring them in and do like, you know, con, you know, conflict resolution, and mm-hmm. also figure out like what's the proper payout and everything else. So really, and and that's really negotiating too. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is really a negotiation. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think it all starts with trust. And one thing I really like about my father-in-law was like he was always really like upfront and really like forward and like really respectful and really honest with people right right out the gate and he listened and i think like that is you know for a long-term relationship through negotiation i think that is one thing you really need to apply and 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 i do that every day in my business but i don't think we we don't really think about what we're doing when we're negotiating it's just instinctively like what we roll into but i think like whenever we teach our guys that's probably the best like, you know, lesson we can really kind of give them. You know, are they listening? You know, active listening. Are they, you know, are they being honest mm-hmm. with the person, you know, and then are they building that relationship and trust to get them to where they're going? And especially even even whenever you're negotiating with the other side, so you got the villain and then you got the hero, and you're the hero trying to win for your client. Right. And really, like, there is no real villain. It's about making... Sure, and, and sometimes it's, it's about building that relationship with the other party and then figuring out, like, what, what do they want? Mm-hmm. And then going back to your side and communicating that with them and figuring out a way that they get what they want, but then also we can make it beneficial for them. And I think there's so many people that are always like, no, this is my offer, this is firm on this, and there's no compromise. Right. And then I, I see it so many times that, you know, and then the deal goes away. And then, like, a year go, goes by, and maybe there's some macroeconomic shift, and the property goes down in value. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I've, and I've seen this so many times, and where the property was listed with one agent, and the seller was super firm at this one one price, and then but the, the, but the agent couldn't navigate the seller. The seller was just focused on his perspective, right. his expectations. And the agent couldn't set the expectations appropriately, and then a year later, the markets shift in a downward cycle. And and I'm having to be the guy telling the agent the truth and saying, hey, look, we can't get that price. You should have taken that offer when you had the chance. But but that agent couldn't communicate that to them. And, and I hate seeing that. I can't I can't stress that enough, Tony, like when that kind of stuff happens. 
Well, let's talk about uh, flexibility and strategy in terms of negotiation. Can you share how adapting your approach based on the situation has helped you close the deal? Um, you know, first you got to understand like all the parties in the negotiation. If we're talking about real estate and not with, you know, my son's four, he's starting to wake up. He's about going on five here in August. And like, and it's like, everything's like a negotiation right now mm. <laughs> and, and it's fun. It's fun. But like, you know, when you're in a deal, like, you know, sometimes my wife's involved in the negotiation with my son, you know? And so oh, like okay. now, now taking this to the, the real estate market, now you got to say who's involved. Is this a cash offer? Is there a lender involved? Is there a appraiser? Is there like partners involved too? Cause you need to know all the parties and you need to understand their perspective. Mm-hmm. You almost like need to draw like a matrix chart and be like, all right, well, this column is for the lender. This column right here is for uh, for the partner. This one right here is for the actual buyer taking the assumed risk as a sponsor. And and I think you need to understand everyone's role and and be able to be a little flexible on how you communicate with the deciding uh, parties. Uh, you kind of touched on this briefly, um, but I want you to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Uh, listening. Um, it's a powerful tool in negotiation, and I'm sure you would agree. How has actively listening to other party to the other party changed the outcome of your negotiations? Um, you know, I mean, because you can, you can, you know, people say there's not a lot of emotion in commercial real estate, but there really is. I mean, I think, like, if you look at it from, like, a few layers deeper, there is emotion and there is like motivation, especially if they've operated that business out of that space. And so we really don't know that unless you're doing a lot of active listening, you're listening to their tone, listening to like, you know, what, what they want. And I think, and you're in your, and you're truly understanding, you're just not like, okay, yeah, I get it. You want to sell? Great. All right. This is what I suggest. Right. And, and then that's like, I'm just blanketing over your, your wants, and I'm just saying, this is how I do it. This is just my atypical negotiation process. There is no complexity to it. You're just going to have to deal with my negotiation <laughs> process. And there's a lot of brokers that are like that. They're just very, you know, they're like, this is what I was taught. I'm not going to do the active listening approach. I'm not going to truly understand the client's needs and perspective. Because really, I think actually, I would probably say if you had to take like 100%, I'd probably say probably... 40% of the 100% is probably active listening. And the rest is just finesse with both parties. Maybe 10% is understanding all the parties involved, mm-hmm. you know, and then learning how maybe the other 50% is like being strategic on how you deploy the execution of getting, and maybe another 10% is understanding what the other party wants mm-hmm. and communicating that with your side. You know, and, and then also lining and maybe another 10% setting those expectations. Right. I mean, we could probably actually model this out and, and have some fun with it and use it as a teaching uh, yeah. a program. But, I mean, I see that so many times. And it, wor- it hurts me even worse when I go to a meeting. The market's not the same. And these people just left 200000 on the table, and they weren't told the truth. Mm. Or, or they didn't have the ability to navigate their client and give them the perspective they need, but they had all cash offer and it was quick close. The market was great. And now we're in a market where they have to underfinance the, you know, maybe they're at a 70% occupancy. It's an office building. 
suburban market and, and like we're having to really have hard conversations here but like you know getting to that you know it's just what we have to work with let's uh let's talk a little bit about that negotiation swagger um closing with confidence i agree you would you agree would be the final step uh what's your approach to confidently closing deals and ensure and ensure both parties are satisfied you know confidence is you know, there's two different things, and we teach this internally. You know, there's confidence and then there's arrogance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when we see arrogance, is like someone that doesn't know, but they're trying to fake it. You know, confidence is like genuine care, honest, like I got your back. I generally know what I'm doing, and I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and I think it's not, you really can't, you know, it's like certainty. It's like conviction, and I think like it kind of rolls in that same kind of category. It's like I'm I'm convicted here to help you, you know, get the best solution for your for your deal. And wholeheartedly wholeheartedly yeah. believing that. Yeah, yeah. And I think like that's that's what's really missing in a lot of like um, basic ABC fundamental real estate um, negotiation processes. Right. I mean, I think like I see it so many times, like a listing will be on the market a long time or they get multiple offers and they spend most of their wills on, on one deal. And when they could be also prospecting and having new business and juggling, I mean, think when you have like eight to 10 pending at one time, you have to be really good at active listening. You got to be really good at getting straight to the point on what the seller and the buyer want. And, and also what our, what our client wants and then making sure that we understand what the other side wants so we can see if there is a deal to even be had or if there's too much of a variance gap. Mm-hmm. And I think I, we see that all the time. We're, all right, well, you know, this isn't going to work. I'm moving on to another offer we have on the table. We're just too far apart. But, you know, if you can come to this point, we're, maybe we can make it happen. And But I think at the end of the day, confidence is important. But, you know, when negotiating... You know, and also it's about like when you're negotiating with your own client is also reminding them that you work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's so often like when you're working for somebody in a negotiation process, you're not with them all the time and you're just in this role, you're hired to do something. You have to remind someone that, hey, look, I'm in your corner. And no matter what, like, you know, you have to remind them before you go into whatever you're talking about, because if you don't, um, you know, sometimes they can uh, think they're negotiating with you, but you're actually in their corner. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, of course, chatting on Bell Street, yeah, absolutely. very indispensable tool for new brokers. Um, without giving any of our secret sauce here at Bell Street away, what are some good tips you can give to new brokers who might be listening to this that probably going into their first negotiations? You know, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, take a step back provide active listening, hold heartedness and like, you know, understanding what your client wants on the pricing. And then also take a step back. It's like, all right, is what they want realistic? And if it is, then great. Then like, you know, if it's not, then tell them the truth. And they should have been told the truth whenever you got the listing or whenever you started engaging with them. Because you can't start trying to tell the truth four or five months later after showing them properties. And then <laughs> you've already looked at 10 deals and cause you're just going to be wasting your time. So I think really at the end of the day, it starts with you just being, um, 
you know, you're, you're the one setting that you're the professional here, you know, and, and if I'm an attorney and I'm negotiating with another attorney on a, a lawsuit or if I'm like negotiating divorce claim or if I'm, you know, you know, attorneys understand that they use the law to their advantage to negotiate. And, and in real estate, if you're a real estate agent, you know, you know, negotiation is just a, a, a leverage of what, how to make both parties like feel whole, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, and I think like, you know, there's a lot of attorneys that suck at that. You know, they just, you know, they, and they have times attorneys don't care because they get billable hours. And the more they just like keep sending emails back and forth, then they get paid. Mm. Um, but like actually solving the issue at hand is really what we're trying to do. We're just trying to solve a problem. So like if you're new, think about what the problem is with your buyer or the seller that you're working with <clears throat> and find a solution for it. I think that's the biggest thing. And just listen. Yeah. Is that helpful? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Brian. Thank you very much. And uh, navigating the nuances of negotiation is indeed an art form that requires patience, skill, and deep understanding of human psychology. Brian, thanks for sharing your valuable insights and strategy with us today. And to our listeners, we hope this discussion has shed some light on the intricacies of negotiation in commercial real estate. Stay tuned for more episodes where we dive into the skills and strategies and that define success in this industry. Until next time, I'm Tony Miranda, Mr. Brian Bell. Thank you, Tony. Uh, Keep negotiating your way to success, and everyone have a great week. See you, bye. Bye Bye-bye.